Hello Manchester United fans and welcome to this extra full-time episode of the Manchester is Red podcast with me, Sam Hutchison. Today, Manchester United face off against Crystal Palace in their defence of the Carabao Cup. The starting 11s have just been released as I'm recording this. Manchester United start with Onana in net. A defence of what looks like Amrabat, Varane, Maguire and Dallow. It could be Amrabat on either side with Dallow on the other one. Dallow has played at left-back well before in a Manchester United shirt and Amrabat has played at both full-back roles for Eric Ten Hag in his past at FC Utrecht, but only a handful of times. A midfield free of Casemiro, Hannibal and Mount. Mount returning from injury. Casemiro and Hannibal keep their place from the weekend. And then... A rotated front three of Palistri, Martial and Garnacho. Looks like Palistri on the right and Garnacho off the left after lots of fans wanted Garnacho to start against Burnley. And then the Crystal Palace starting eleven is Dean Henderson who makes his return to Manchester United since his summer switch. Nathaniel Klein, Rob Holding, Richards and Mitchell make up the defence. Decore, Riederwald and Schlupp in midfield and then an attacking trio of Raksaki, Ayu and John-Philippe Mateta. It's rotated sides while still maintaining a little bit of that strength from both teams here tonight, Manchester United fans. So it could be a really end-to-end and interesting game. But Man United fans, here is our writer Tyrone Marshall's review preview Sorry, from inside the stadium. And then I will join you after the game to listen to Eric Ten Hag's full press conference following the game and maybe a little bit extra from me and maybe... Just Roy Hodgson as well. But Manchester United fans, you'll hear from me in just a minute. Good evening from Old Trafford as Manchester United start their defence of the Carabao Cup tonight against Crystal Palace in the third round. Uh, a big trophy for United last year, that win at Newcastle against Newcastle at Wembley, their first trophy in six years. And probably the peak of the, the Eric Ten Hag era so far. Things have been a little trickier since. Pretty tough start to this season. That win at Burnley on Saturday night was was badly needed. A real grind of a victory, a real tough night. But there's a lot of character to get over the line there. And the key now is to, to build on it. Four successive home games. Two of them against Crystal Palace this week. This one in the Carabao Cup. And then on Saturday in the Premier League. Uh, we're still awaiting team news here. But expecting, it, it looks like a strong United squad. We've just seen the players arrive. And there's, there's a lot of senior players in that squad. Andre Anana is here. Looked like Holtai Bayinda was the... The other keeper, so one of those two starting by the looks of things. Uh, Donny van der Beek was here. Um, I guess that's uh, that's relevant really, seeing as he didn't get his move away and has been out of favour since. So maybe a game for van der Beek, but also Casemiro here, Bruno Fernandes here, uh, Rasmus Hoyland here. So it looks like a lot of senior players are here. So the changes may be kept to a minimum. Obviously, there's not a huge amount that Eric Ten Hag can do at the moment with the injury situation. We might see a couple of players maybe return tonight. Uh, Sofian Amrabat is here and in the squad, so we might see Amrabat get a first start and, and build on those few minutes he got a turf more on Saturday night. So we'll expect some changes, but maybe not quite as wholesale as, as we usually get at this level of the competition. Like I say, it looks from, from the images we've seen of players arriving, there's a lot of key men, a lot of senior players there. So there might be some strength in, in that squad against the Palace sides that are... Uh, reasonably dangerous on the counter-attack but lack of punch really don't score many goals uh, pretty turgid nil-nil away at Fulham at the weekend um, so United should be confident of banking two wins this week and if they are playing a strong squad tonight they should certainly kick off their defence of the Carabao Cup with a victory and, and that'll be key to kind of keep that momentum going for him at Turf Moor on Saturday night so stay with us for the rest of the evening we'll have all the build-up for you plenty of live action from Old Trafford uh, a video review post-match and all of Derek Ten Hag's comments after the game as well 
Oh, I don't know, but it was a good night, definitely. Control in possession with Mount and Amrabat in particular. You looked to have control of the game right from the start. Well, I think it's it's the truth. Yeah, we had we dominated the game, and I think we had some good attacks. Um, we control in in possession and, and we created the chances and um, we score a great goal. James. Do you think that game and I suppose, the Birmingham 4 as well will do for Anani? A couple of good saves at the end there for him, yeah, in terms of his, his confidence after the, the start. Uh, of course, it's always when you uh, clean sheet uh, will always give a keeper confidence. And especially when you contribute, when you have uh, some great save, like on Saturday when he had that header, was a very important save there. And now in the end he had two uh, fantastic uh, saves. So uh, that will help, and that will building his confidence. And but yeah, he has personality. Uh, he he deals with situations uh, with pressure. Um, he can do that, and I think he's uh, starting to do that now. Samuel. Um, Mason Mount played very well. I know you said it was precaution him coming off. Is that the, the benchmark for him now to, to play at that level and be that creative in games? Ah, oh, but he uh, he played very well. But I. I'm sure when he is, say, he's totally integrated, uh, he will play much better. And that is, he's just starting uh, at United. And just um, regarding injuries and taking it head, were McTominay and Ericsson, their absences tonight, was that injury related? Uh, uh, ill, both. Cool. Mr. Tanag, Garnacho scored today after not featuring on the weekend. How do you think he's developed from being a substitute to being a starter? Uh, you have seen on the start of the season, we played him, and uh, his, then his contribution uh, was not good enough. And but um, he had also then some good actions. You see always that he has um, that he always is a threat in the game, even when he is not playing that well. And yeah, he has to learn when I do my job in defending, I will always have my moment and he will always be decisive uh, because he has yeah, great qualities. So it's the off-ball action that you want more from him? As well. No, it's not only the off-ball. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I also I want to see, like today, he's entering the box. He was on the right spot uh, to finish. Uh, but. I think it's quite normal eh, for a player on his age that there is a lot uh, space for a lot of improvement. But yeah, I think everyone likes him. The fans like him. Um, the team liked him. That I like him. Uh, but also uh, we have to demand him. Uh, we have to push him uh, because um, he can act on a very high level. But he has to show it every day. Richard. Uh, hi, Eric. Just in terms of. Amrabat playing left back in the first half today. Um, what did you make of his performance? What does he give you there? And is he an option there for other games as well? Uh, Sufyan is a player, and <laughs> that was one of the reasons we signed him. So where the team needs him, uh, he will play. And he, so he can play on more positions. But uh, of course, every player has his best position. And, but he gives uh, a certain dynamic in the game, I think we have seen today, 
but also for him, and that is for, for many players. We just started, and yeah, that process is a little bit uh, was a little bit interrupted by the many injuries we have, because when you can play a longer time with the same team, and then you get routines. Uh, the players uh, they learn each other better, and then it's more say automatic. And uh, but you see Mason, you see Amrabat, you see also others. But when they, they can contribute to our game, and they will do. Rob, um, tonight was the start of a little run of home games. I think you've got five more home games now between now and the end of October. Do you see this next block as a chance to build some momentum, maybe lift the mood a little bit? And. The mood with us eh, is um, is always good, eh? but of course, eh, when you are not winning eh, at United, eh, there is disappointment, there is frustration, but the togetherness is always there eh, with us. And but yeah, and we know eh, that we are not now in the position where we want to be. Yeah, so we have to to build up, we have to catch up. And, but then you have to go from game to game and working on the process and working on the results and uh, don't think too far ahead. And next game is most important, always. Uh, last question, Neil. Um, Eric, there's reports in Germany today saying that the big problem with Jaden Sancho is he doesn't speak properly because he's up until the early hours playing Xbox games. Are you aware of this? Have you asked him about this? I don't talk about uh, personal issues and I don't talk about players who are not available. Okay, thank you very much. Welcome back, Manchester United fans. That was Eric Ten Hogg's entire press conference following that pretty straightforward 3-0 win over Crystal Palace as Manchester United looked to defend their Carabao Cup crown. But Manchester United fans, I do think there are three things that really stood out to me in that game that I think may have gone under the radar a little bit. And starting off with number one of those things... Eric Ten Hag's return to the inverted fullback system was really something special to see. If you remember back at the start of the season on one of these full-time podcasts, I said I wasn't really sure that Man United had the squad to work in an inverted fullback system. Eric Ten Hag was trying to play Luke Shaw and Aaron Wambisaka with Martinez and Varane as a defence, which then blended into a three at the back with Martinez, Varane and Wambasaka and Shaw would drift into midfield and partner Casemiro. I wasn't a massive fan of this at the start of the season, but tonight it worked really, really well. Amrabat started the game at left back and drifted a lot more centrally into the sort of midfield positions, whilst the wingers stayed a lot wider than you would usually expect to see in an Eric Ten Hag system. And I thought it really was quite impressive. It also meant that both Hannibal and Mount could get in more into their preferred advanced midfield position. And I think all things considered, this was a real stroke of genius from Eric Ten Hag. He noticed that he had an issue at left back and he thought, what can I do to make this side still function in a system that's going to work as well as getting the best out of the players that I'm going to have to play. 
And he did that perfectly well. I think Amrabat was actually really impressive, especially in that first half. He was all over the pitch in that first half and it was a brilliant performance and that wouldn't have happened had he not been allowed to drift inside and partner Casemiro a lot more. When Man United were in possession, it read a lot more, if you were going to write it down on paper, it would read as a sort of 3-2-4-1, which meant that Manchester United could get the best out of the wingers in Garnacho and Palistri. Palistri's this traditional sort of winger. He's right-footed on the right wing, which you don't see much or really at all in the Premier League especially anymore. And he stayed high and wide most of the game. Garnacho did a very similar thing on the left wing. With Martial as this sort of lone striker, which I'll come on to in just a second, but... I think Dallow also bombed on on the right and made a lot more runs inside Palistri rather than around the outside where we would usually expect him to make the runs with, say, Anthony on that right wing. So that did really impress me. In that system, obviously, we saw Hannibal and Mount drift in as sort of number 10s, sort of number 8s a much more advanced midfield position, which meant that both of those could get a lot involved in the attack a lot more and we saw the best of Hannibal's pressing especially today as well but Mason Mount really impressed me in that first half he came off at half time for Victor Lindelof and I think Mason Mount's creativity especially really stood out to me in that first half that he, in that first 45 minutes that he did actually get to play he got the assist for the second goal and I do think that's the best of what we will see from Mount. That's what he's been signed for, to play this sort of role in the Manchester United midfield. And I think there is a vision there of Eric Ten Hag to blend sort of his traditional, what would be style, which on paper would read as a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, to then be a lot more of like a, like I said earlier, a 4 2 4 uh, sorry, a 3-2-4-1. But I think Mount's positioning and real drive to get involved in the attacks, he was playing more on the left-hand side of those two attacking midfielders alongside Hannibal, like I say. And Hannibal was a bit all-action. We, we we've come to know what to expect from Hannibal. He gets involved in a lot of play. He will sprint at opposition players. He'll have this drive to always be on the ball and always be winning the ball back, which he did like in his cameo appearance against Liverpool last season, where he got a lot of praise from fans after the game, even though he picked up a yellow card, his drive to get the ball back for Man United was really impressive in that game. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing a lot more from Hannibal. I do also, and this is the last thing about Man United that really impressed me today. Anthony Martial was actually really impressive. I think he can play this backup striker role because we know how injury prone he is. We don't see enough of Anthony Martial. But today, as this backup striker, he made it to 70-odd minutes. I think it was 72nd minute when he actually came off for Rasmus Hoyland. And I was really impressed by his performance. He always seems to be in the right place. You can see that the instinct is there, even if the body isn't quite 
the fitness and the body that he used to have when he first signed for Manchester United aren't quite there anymore. The thinking, the positioning, the drive to still score goals in a United shirt is still there. And I was really impressed by his sort of resilience to keep it going. And in the first half, it was a very new here nor there performance, really. In the second half, he got his goal. And I was really quite impressed, Man United fans. But you'll have to let me know what you impressed you most about Man United's performance tonight. Get at me at SamHutchMen on Twitter if you have any thoughts about Manchester United that you'd like me to address in one of these podcasts. But Man United fans, thank you for listening to this full-time episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. I'm going to send you off now by listening to the opposition manager, Roy Hodgson's full post-match press conference following that 3-0 defeat for his side. And I will speak to you next time. Okay, I'd like to start, please. Dom? Uh, Roy, maybe you can give us your assessment of a tough night for your side. Um, I think we were well beaten, basically. Okay. Um, I don't know, quite. In, in, what, in what ways do you think that the team that you were well beaten by Beyond the scoreline? I thought that they attacked better than we did and defended the few attacks that we were able to mount quite comfortably and as a result unfortunately you tend when that happens to only be looking at one possible result and uh, that was the result that they they came up with. Dean, Dean Henderson obviously got his, his debut for the team today you know, back on the home turf that he used to call his own um, disappointing for him of course mm. to go off so early also can you give us an update on that? Not really because like all of those muscle injuries they the doctors, they, they can tell you which part of the leg the injury occurs in, but they, they're not prepared to give you any suggestions as to the severity of it, and that will need a, a scan, I'm, I'm sure. We'll have to wait for the result of that scan before we know anything more. And often they have to wait a day or two before they could even you know, do the, pardon me, even do the scan. So at the moment we, we, we just know that he had a very unfortunate end to a game that he was really looking forward to playing. Uh, and lastly for me, do, do you think that today's performance is at all indicative of what might happen at the weekend or do you think so many changes for, for both sides means that oh, well, if we, unless we can play better, it's indicative of course, but we do have some players that we are able to bring back into the team which, which may help us, there's no doubt about that, but now, this wasn't a weak team by any stretch of the imagination, so we aren't suddenly going to go from being the team you saw tonight to a, a totally different team. We're going to have to become a totally different team in terms of the way we approach the game and the way we play the game. Okay, thank you. Nick? Well, do you think the, the goalkeeper change kind of affected Palace at all? Because I thought before the goalkeeper came off, you know, you, you didn't look in too much trouble and actually posed a threat on the break and then after the change, the goals came. Did it, did it change something? came immediately, didn't it? But I mean, it's kind of you to say so. I thought that uh, our shape in the early part of the game was was quite good. We were we weren't making it too easy for them to play through us, um, which of course is something which you have to do. There are many teams in Premier League where you come away from home where if you allow them to play through you, you're going to come away with a good result. But I, I don't honestly think that uh, I could say yeah if if only the goalkeeping injury hadn't happened, it would have been a different kettle of fish. 
the way the game panned out, United had uh, almost complete control of the game for so many long spells in the game. Um, and until those two chances in the second half, I don't think we we worried them anywhere near enough. The rebound injuries, sorry, just to say, does rebound, was that cramp or has he got a problem? I'm not sure. I mean, it's his first game for a long time. Um, and I thought he did quite well actually in there as well in a, in a difficult circumstances and playing in a team that wasn't firing on all cylinders so um, I'll have to check that one out but we were a little bit concerned you know as the game went on he, he worked very hard and as I say it's the first time he's played from the start for, well since since um, Plymouth game um, When you have two games against the same team in such a short space of time and as you say, one game that's been so one-sided. How does that affect your preparations for the next game? I don't know, in some ways does it make it easier, you say, to make it completely different the next game? Well, it can't be. I mean, we, we, I wish it could be, but I mean, the fact is, we set out our stall, in, as we thought, in the right way to confront this game, and we have to set out our stall in a very similar way to confront the next game because we don't have a lot of changes we can possibly make. So we are facing a, a similar uh, scenario, potentially, that we face tonight, and we don't have the number of people um, available that could maybe make such a vast difference to our own team. So it would be a question of making certain that we, we accept that tonight it, it didn't go the way we dreamt it, it, it might go. The reality was that we came up against a team that caused us a lot of problems, created chances and won the game more than deservedly. And we're going to have to come to terms with that and find in the Thursday and Friday training sessions a way to try and get people back into a frame of mind, a frame of mind they're in when we kicked off tonight, that we can make a good fist of this game and, and come away with the result. Okay, Matt. Uh, a difficult night for Jezra and Rakasaki. Um, you took him off at half time. Was that because you didn't feel that he was influencing the game enough, or you wanted to just change something around tactically? So he should have sort of fired those back mm. and found your client. Mm. And also, can he take anything from, from tonight as like a learning experience? It was a question of taking people off who'd not had a pretty good first half. He wouldn't have been alone. So it wasn't a question of that at all. It was a question of deciding that the best way for us to stem the tide of some of the attacks and maybe give ourselves a slightly better chance of putting some pressure on them from the from the front would be to play with two front players and that of course meant playing with three midfield players and adding adding an extra centre back and as a result uh, Jez was the one who had to had to sacrifice the position but can he take something from the game? Oh of course he would he's a young player I mean it was a really tough ask for him you know to come into a team which already had several changes in the team and then be asked to perform here in front of the Man United crowd against a very good Man United team. That was a, that's a, a really big ask that we made of him there and I'm certain that if he's got the character, which I believe he has, he'll, he'll, he'll benefit from that. He'll accept, yeah, that, that wasn't the way I dreamt it would go, but now I know what it's like and next time... I'll, I'll be ready. Okay. Gentlemen. Hi, Matt. 
higher right. Uh, most of your chances seem to come from Eze when he came off the bench. How important is he to your team? Yeah, it's important he's a good player. There's no question <laughs> on that. I mean, uh, we didn't expect to be fair that much from him when he came off the bench. But I mean, he is a quality player, so it's pretty easy when he comes on to see that he's got those qualities. The same, I think you could say, applies with, with Will Hughes. I thought he was quite good when he came on as well because they are two players who've been playing on a regular basis for us. But uh, we need, we can't rely upon a good player to win us games. We need to have a, a good team. And we need Ezzy to be a good player and a good team player. And we need some good players around him. And I believe that's what we will have and, and, and that's what we, we've got. But it might mean I've got to wait a bit longer before I've got a full group of players to choose from that I think will make us into a better team. OK, thanks. Sorry, Roy, is the key on Saturday not to allow Manchester United to get the initiative in the game quite so early. They seem to take control of the game virtually straight away. Well, they're going to be capable of doing that, aren't they? I mean, I think Man United and Old Trafford have always been capable of doing that. Not many times I've come here with teams, a Man United team that's not been capable of taking control of the game early on because of the quality of their players. But sometimes they... They're not able to maintain that, whereas they... Oh, well, mate. No, I don't know. I don't watch Matthews United every week. But, I mean, the, the times I've been here with teams, um, it's never been easy to stop them establishing some sort of control and possession because of the quality of players they have. OK. We'll leave it there. Thanks a lot, everyone. OK. Thank